Hello, and welcome to Co-op Cast. This week, Steve and Elijah will catch up on some reviews and get you all the co-op news. Welcome to Co-op Cast. My name's Steve. And I'm Elijah. And in this week's episode... We're going to do a review and discussion about Maximum Apocalypse. So we're just getting back from the holiday break, and we had a nice opportunity over the holidays where Mike from the other side of Co-op Cast came to our town where Elijah and I live. So we finally got to meet Mike face-to-face for the first time, so that was awesome. So we'll just quick talk about some of the things we did. So obviously we played games. So uh, Mike and I played Dale of Merchants 2, which is a fun little uh, quick deck-building card game. And this is a competitive game, just FYI, but we were playing this while we waited for Elijah to meet up with us so we could play some other games. So that was a lot of fun. And one of the other games we played was Just One which is a cooperative party game. I've heard some good things about this from both my computer, and so I was really excited to play this, and I had a lot of fun with it. What about you, Elisha? This was a lot of fun. Um, so you basically have a card with five words on it. You don't get to look at it, and you pick a number. So I have a card facing away from me, and I say number three. And in number three is a word, uh, for example, maybe desk. And so the other players have to write, using a dry erase marker, clues that will lead me to guess desk, but anybody who writes the same word, that clue was out. And so you kind of have to come up with unique words, and it was just a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun with that game, Steve. It's really, <laughs> really good. Yeah, we did okay at the end. It was actually, we had a really funny moment where uh, Mike and I were writing clues for Elijah, and so I'm just going to write down some clever clues. I'm like, oh yeah, this would be good stuff. I'm pretty sure Mike's not going to write this. And so he writes on his clues, and we compare notes, and we literally wrote the exact same clues each. So we had zero clues we could tell Elijah. <laughs> and they were really obscure because you guys were like, oh, he, you know, Mike won't write this one down, right? And so you write, you both wrote really obscure and it's just like, no way. What are the odds of that? So, of course, made it very difficult for me to guess the word, but uh, it was a lot of fun. I really liked that game. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and then we also played uh, Pandemic Fall of Rome. This was a newer game I received over the over Christmas. And so, if not from this, this ha- takes the pandemic engine and applies it to a historical event where you're at the end of the Roman Empire and the barbarian hordes are essentially um, taking over what was left of the empire. So you are playing as the Romans, trying to stop this from happening. And so you you have legions you move around the board. You're, you've got these barbarian tracks, essentially a map where they will move along a, a basically a chain, march on the way towards Rome to sack it. And yeah, it's got a twist on the pandemic engine, but I liked it a lot. So, so it was a lot of fun, Steve. Um, just the way that the barbarians move, the uniqueness with each faction. Um, you know, they all have a little bit of a different feel to them and the character abilities. It was a really fun game. A lot of, uh, a lot of intense moments. Um, never knowing the events that will come up. I had a great time. And we actually ended up winning that game, which was, which was also great. We did. Yep. And the last game we played was Spare Parts, which was one of Mike and Peter's designs. So this was a lot of fun. I really had a lot of, really enjoyed this game, and I'm looking forward to seeing what the actual production looks like in the future. And I will just say that the title is very fitting. A lot of fun. <laughs> it is fitting. It's an excellent title. So normally I would jump into news at this point, but there's unfortunately isn't a whole lot when I was scouring Kickstarter and other sources just due to the holiday season. It's not really a good time to have new games come to the market um, right after the holidays. So... Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about more news in the near future. But with that said, let's jump into Maximum Apocalypse. So this is a one to four player game, and it's a post-apocalyptic scenario based game. 
Uh, I think there are 12 total scenarios plus tutorial if you have everything at this point. And there are a lot of characters in it. Uh, Elijah has a Kickstarter version, so I think there might be like one extra character, but it wants up being 11 with what everything he has. And it's quite fun. Characters have unique decks, so it's not a deck builder per se, but they're all pre-constructed to have unique abilities per each character. And it's all thematic, which is cool. And basically, you pick one of these characters, and you're going against one of different four enemy types. So being a post-apocalyptic theme, you have zombies, robots, aliens, and mutants. And you can mix and match for scenarios, for some of them at least, uh, what you want to put in there. One really cool feature about this game is it's a modular map using tiles. And so depending on the scenario, it will instruct you what tiles you set aside. Um, I would say they're probably uh, maybe a three inch by three inch tile. They have a really good firmness to them. And you have things like farm, gas stations, hospital, a police station, uh, open fields. And these tiles basically um, yield pull them aside, again, depending on the scenario, and then you randomize them, flip them over, and you lay them out on the um, table, and you can play them in any order. So if you put them together all in a big square, makes it a little bit easier. You could do things like a T or a zigzag, and it'll make it uh, quite interesting. Um, in the game, there's also hunger, so you're constantly having to eat, and you also take wounds. Um, there is scavenging, which uses three decks constructed from the scenario. So um, there's three different types of decks. They generally have uh, a little bit uh, different look and feel to them. So um, one might have more fuel or medical supplies. Another one might have more like ammunition or binoculars and interesting things like that. And again, these are constructed depending on the scenario. So they have a different feel as you're scavenging and moving around the board. Um, you know, you're going to be looking for certain items in um, one of the different decks. So now let's look into turn structure real quick to give you a better idea of how the game is played. First thing you always do is you spawn monsters. So that involves rolling two D6 dice and uh, putting a monster token on each of those tiles that match the number you rolled. And so each of these map tiles, they vary anywhere from, well, like, three all the way up to like 11. I don't really, I don't know if I've seen a two or 12 in there. Uh, and seven, there are no tiles with seven on them. That's always a safe number to roll. And so you'll be adding up to three monsters on each of those map tiles. And then what you do is you'll just draw a card from your deck and then you'll take four actions. And so a lot of the actions you can do is uh, movement in action. You can draw an additional card for an action and you can play a card. And the cards do a lot of different things, but it's pretty easy to follow along. There's two basic types of cards. There are item cards, which you can put in front of you and they'll persist for the rest of the game. Uh, and then there's basically instant cards or event cards that you play. So once you play them, just immediately get discarded. So you do thematic stuff. For example, if you're a sniper, you might be able to shoot a gun. Or if you're a fireman, you might have an ax, which you can wield and take out some, some enemies. So that's pretty fun. And the last thing you can do is maybe if you have one of those items in play, you could do the card action on that item. One of the other actions you can do on your turn is scavenge if your tile allows. So for example, if you're at the hospital, it'll have a blue icon on it, which indicates you can scavenge from the blue deck. Um, you also have free actions available to you. So these are available at any time without a cost. You can discard two cards to draw a card from your deck. You could trade scavenge cards with another player. So for example, if I had some fuel and I wanted to give it to Steve, he was closer to the van. Um, and you can also fuel up the van and you can drop off cards at the objective. The next phase in your turn, you will increase hunger. This is a 1d6 die that's placed on your character card. And basically this dice is ticking down. So you start with six, you'll work your way to five at the end of every turn and so on. This represents you 
um, your hunger level. And so if you ever get to one and flip to zero, you actually flip your character card and it has some reduced capacity. Um, and that indicates that you're starving. And so you, in this game, you need to eat. And lastly, you'll end your turn by taking damage from enemies that are engaged with you. They're placed in front of your character uh, to represent that they are engaged with you, and they will just do their straight damage. So there is no modifiers. They will just do their damage um, as represented on their uh, character card. And so how you win the game is based upon the scenario, but how you lose the game generally, if you draw all your cards in deck, you get eliminated, or if you starve to death, you get eliminated, or if you take a number of wounds, you get eliminated. That's basically a brief overview of Maximum Apocalypse. So let's jump into our review. So in the past, we did a 3x3 format. We talked about three cons and three pros and um, alternated them. But after talking about some more uh, with Elijah, I think we both kind of like the 5x5 five five format that Mike and Peter do. So from here on out, uh, we'll probably just want to be in that format as well. So if you're not familiar with the 5x5 five five format, we talk about the five things we find most important to know about the game. And we state whether they're pros or cons or mixed. And I think for Elijah and I, we'll probably stick with uh, labeling as pros or cons as personal opinions for us. So while they might be mixed for other people, they'll, we'll stick with one or the other. So with that said, let's start with your number five, Elijah, which is your least important thing to know about this game. So my number five is a con, and it's relatively minor. I had to nitpick a little bit here, but it is the rule book. So the rule book... Um, the layout is okay. It serves its purpose. Um, it's a, it's quite a small box. If you look it up and look online, you can take a look at what it looks like or your FLGS. But I just feel like the rule book leaves a little bit to be desired. Um, there's a couple of ambiguity. Uh, some of the rules that you'll find are like mid-sentence, very minor. This is a small con for me. It's Hence, it's number five. But uh, that's my number five. And, and again, this isn't a deal breaker. I did not have to go online, actually, incidentally, to look up anything. Um, everything was in the rule books, just a little bit of flipping around, but again, probably after your first or second, um, second play, you know, you're not going to have to reference the rule book, but that was my number five con, Steve. How about yourself? Yeah, about that rule book. I, I remember looking through the rule books in some of our plays and trying to find some detail that we weren't exactly sure on. We just wanted verification. And while I think everything's in there, I don't, I agree with that. I don't think there was anything that we had to go look up online. I, it was hard to find certain, certain specific points the organization wasn't quite there luckily it's pretty small so even if we're uh, thumbing through each of those pages independently i was able to find things without too much difficulty but yeah i, I didn't get a good vibe from the rule book either so that's a good number five i like it so my number five is a pro and that is the modular map when you first play the game you probably wind up just laying the tiles out in an even square for whatever scenario you're playing uh, but once you get used to it i do recommend changing that up where you can have different shapes and different choke points, and it really adds a lot of life to the game, where now you can replay this, a previous scenario, and it, based upon how those tiles are laid out, it really changes how the game's played. So even if you're playing the same setup with the same characters, that map really impacts it quite a bit, and I think that's going to bring a lot of re replayability to this game. I think it's funny you mentioned that, Steve, because um, I think our first or second plays, we kind of did a grid. We might have varied it a little bit, and, and it's a lot easier. And then our most recent playthrough, you know, we really made kind of a unique map. And of course, you know, there's this one tile really early on where we're like, oh, we don't need to go to that tile. And of course, we explored every other tile, and that was the tile that we needed at the very end of the game after uncovering the entire map. So it was quite quite interesting um but I, I would agree with you on that one i love the modular map and uh makes it quite interesting a lot of replayability there and you know you can definitely scale up or down kind of 
how much traversing you're going to have to do through the world um, based on how you lay out the tiles. That's a great one, Steve. I also recently read online that there are people buying multiple copies of the game yes. or finding someone else with another copy of the game and combining their tiles into one huge map. Yes, that's crazy, but sounds really fun, actually. Yeah, it's cool how they let you do that and still have the mechanics work out. It shouldn't really break at all when, when doing that. So very cool. So on to number four, Steve. Um, what do you have? So my number four is a con. Uh, not a huge con, but it definitely has an impact, and that's the setup. Uh, when you look at these these scenarios, they do vary, and you don't use all the cards and all the tiles for every every scenario. But uh, you will have to go through and grab one police station tile, or a hospital, or maybe like three open fields, and maybe you have five open fields. You have to ran, randomly pick between each of those five because each of them have a number assigned to them uh, that matters for the spawning of monsters so you you don't really want to know what those are you want them kind of you want those random for sure and so it takes a while to go through all those and then you have to go through and set up the searching search decks so like you mentioned earlier in the description that there's three types of decks red blue and green and the contents of those vary so it just takes a while to set this up it's not a huge deal and i know when we sit down to play with it um we just each tag take a team. tag team exactly take turns setting this up and it doesn't take a whole lot of time to do it then but it still takes longer than i would like yeah that's a good one and i, I think i would agree with you we will take team um, for example one of us will fish the room grab all the modular tiles for, for the scenario and the other one will build out the scavenge decks um you know someone else can um, be pulling out the enemies it's not the end of the world that's that's a good con steve actually um and you know i would agree with it at number four so i'll jump into mine it's actually a con as well and it is the storage so for me um i'm not a big fan of um you know buying sort of additional boxes or things for games i would prefer to store everything you know as it comes and this is one that's very difficult so i don't know if it's a result of me buying the kickstarter i, I don't think it added too much um but just for instance, I haven't sleeved the cards because I don't know that I'd be able to get them all in the box. And the box is beautiful. So, um, you know, the, the storage is just one thing that I wish was, I wish the box was just a little bit bigger. And then, of course, we have another Kickstarter um, coming Gothic Horrors with more content. And I'm just not quite sure how that's going to integrate. So you have, it's very tight. Um, actually, the top does not close fully for me. And uh, I just wish the box was a little bit bigger and would allow for sleeved cards and just kind of a different way to organize the ma uh, map tiles and things like that. So it's a number four. It's a small ways. Uh, the weight's not big on this one, but uh, I do wish that uh, the storage was a little bit better. What about the box shape itself? Because I know it's kind of a weird shape. It's most, it looks like one of those. Um, it's kind of like a miniature shoe box or. Yeah, I like that. Well, I'm more thinking of like those boxes you could buy at card shops where they put all the cards in one, one row. I mean, that's yes. what, that's exactly what it is. And I wonder if they would go to more of a, I don't know, classic or standard box size. You could have space for expansion. So then it was something like the bigger square boxes we see, the standard, I don't know, ticket to ride size box or whatever. So, yeah, it kind of reminds me, um, all of us are probably familiar with this when you buy something at a store or online and you get it and you open it up and the, the cords are wrapped exactly in the styrofoam is exactly and it all fits, right? And then you unbox it and decide you don't want it. Good luck trying to get it back in there. I mean, it's just like, unless you took pictures or you're really, really good at Tetris or this sort of thing, it can be kind of difficult to get everything back exactly. And this just feels like that. Like, I know it came together, 
you know, shipped. Um, but it's just like to get everything back in there, I just don't know quite. Um, so just my number four con. It's a storage. It's minor. Um, definitely not a deal breaker. So. Now, did you have the Kaiju expansion as well when you backed it? I did, yes. Okay. And does that fit into the core boxes? Too? It it does fit into the box, and I'm not sure that that you know you you bring up a good point. If I pulled that um, box out of the tuck box, or, yeah, tuck box. There you go. Yeah, I think if you pulled that tuck box out, it probably would create some more storage in there. Um, but I guess that's kind of a complaint. Is just you know I I feel like that we knew that there the designer might have known there was some expansion capability here, and it just like I would agree with you, it's just a little bit bigger of a box would have been good. So again, minor, minor. I would definitely not let this steer anybody from it, but it's a con. It's number four, storage. That's easy to fix in the future too with a future Kickstarter and just get a big box to store everything. Exactly, so. yep. So I'll go ahead and jump into my number three. It's actually a pro. So for my number three, it's artwork and components. Um, so for me, the cards are all really well nicely. Um, they have a good feel to them. The tiles are very solid. Um, and I love the artwork. So it's kind of a comic book feel to it. Um, I don't know quite how to describe it. You can go look up online some of the artwork, but uh, it's uh, I actually like it. It feels thematic and just um, gives me a, a good feel as I play it. And the components, it's minor, uh, you know, overall, but um, I really kind of enjoy uh, when I'm buying a game. I like to have good components and um, this is one, again, I mentioned in the number four con, the storage, the sleeving. I, I, I'm not super worried that I have to sleeve them. The cards have a nice linen finish to them and hold up really well. So that's my number three pro is actually the artwork and uh, components. Yeah, I'm not too big into the post-apocalyptic theme. So <laughs> the artwork and this type of games normally doesn't get me excited. But the art on this is pretty good, actually. I, I, don't, I don't mind it. Because you can easily go like really gory and stuff. And I don't really care for games that do that. I'm sure other people are fine with it. I mean, I'm not offended or anything by it. I just don't care for it. That never crossed my mind when playing this game. And how about you, Steve? Let's hear your number three. So my number three is a negative, and that is scenario design. And I got to be a little careful what I mean by this because I do think the variations in the missions or the different scenarios is fine. It's not great, but it's fine. It doesn't bother me. I think it's good enough to have some variety in there. But what does bother me a bit is a lot of the scenarios you have to find a specific location or find specific items. And so sometimes when that happens, you just have to spend time, um, burning time scavenging in different the same locations or traveling along the, the board. And it because these tiles are random, it could really vary how long you spend playing a, the game. And you really don't have a lot of control of that, over that. I mean, you could walk to the next tile and be like, oh, wait. This is one thousand we need. Cool, done. That's one thing we checked off the list. Or like maybe our last game we played, where we explored like the whole map and quite literally the very last tile was the shelter we needed to find. So I mean, there's a big swing in how long it takes to play that. And the same thing applies for the, the, the scavenging decks. I think it's really cool how the decks have different uh, contents in them. So you know, if I need to find fuel, I know I need to look in the red deck, for example. Uh, when you find food, I'm going to need to look at like green deck. Very cool. But I also need to find specific items for certain scenarios. And that kind of takes time. And maybe just keep digging and digging and digging to find those, I don't know, few items that are available in each of those decks. I would agree with you, Steve. In our last game, like you mentioned, the last tile that we explored was the shelter. And we had to find the shelter and get things like two newspapers and different things. 
And so we were roaming around the map, uh, the world scavenging, you know, for these items and then heading back to the uh, shelter to drop them off. And you're right. So there is um, part of a lot of that game. Was, that was a longer game that we played. And most of it was roaming around looking for this stuff and just sitting and fishing those decks. And I think that's just part of the design of the game. And I would definitely label it as a con. It's not a huge con, though, because while I'm playing the game, yeah, we're doing this stuff and but it's, I'm still engaged. I, yes. I'm not like taking out of the game and very aware of what's happening. I'm still engrossed. So the, the time flies by fast, but it still feels like a negative to me. So Yeah. And I, and I, and I would agree with that. We still had a lot of fun. I mean, so it's not just like we're sitting there fishing the decks. I mean, we still have enemies to deal with. We're still calculating like, Hey, are you going to take the tunnel or I'm going to go through the farm? Well, you can't because you know, then we could have a, a monster there. Or I might try to sneak through the gas station so I mean, you're, we're still having fun, but uh, I would def- I, I see what you're saying there on, as that as a con. Um, you know, again, I still we're still having a blast thematically. Century bots and different things are exploding, and we had some great laughs and great times. So I would agree with you. And I'll jump into my number two, and that's going to be a pro, and that's the cooperative nature of this game. Now, obviously, being talking about co-ops, I think there's a number of different types of co-ops out there. Where some co-op games, you have one goal or a shared goal. But you're all kind of playing separately towards that one goal and other games and i think this one qualifies where i'm actively helping my teammates and this game does this for sure and i love what to do with it so all these character decks they have very thematic cards in them but they're worded in such a way where the cards can be applied to you or other players so it makes it really easy to, to take a certain card and, and and help your your teammates out so, for example, like one card, the Surgeon has a gurney, which is obviously very thematic, where you can actually help move other players around, which is really cool. Yeah, and another example is you have a mechanic, and he has sentry bots that he can actually play and give to other players, and it it offers kind of a unique way of combat, so it's not directly confrontational what it does is it's basically defensive and so when you're attacked it actually does really good damage back to the enemy and so when steve and i were playing i had played a sentry bot for him kind of you know the surgeon was a little bit uh, more of a healing class and uh, worked out really well are you guys surprised i was playing healing healing class (laughs) it's either support or it's mind control steve right (laughs) i know what i like it's fine (laughs) i love it when you play support so you will never get an argument from me there (laughs) but yeah i love the cooperative nature of how you can play these cards a lot of times when we're playing this we're talking a lot about like okay how can i help you with that one bad guy well if i play this one card I can boost up all damage for a round, and you've got a couple cards that can do damage. This will combo together, so we can do extra damage to take out that guy in, in two turns or two actions, mm-hmm. and it winds up being quite fun. Yes, actually, uh, I'm going to jump into my number two, Steve. It's a pro, and it's very similar. So it was, it's a well-balanced co-op is what was my number two pro. So there's meaningful decisions here, and it is totally co-op. I mean, there's so much table talk and cooperation going on. Um, you know, are you going to sneak through here, Steve? I can play that. And then what do you think? And I need to eat. I mean, you know, I had scavenged some food and, you know, donated to you. We could trade cards and played my sentry bot. Um, I remember we had jumper cables that we could kind of drive a car across the map. And so this is, I love this game for that, is it's just so fun 
the cooperative nature that you're definitely, um, you feel the threat, you have the enemy. So um, I love the surgeon. He was really, it was really nice to get healed <laughs> having that gurney. And um, so it, that was my number two as a pro. Um, it's a well-balanced co-op with meaningful decisions. So it's interesting here. There is one point I was expect to see on both of our lists that hasn't been brought up yet. So I'm wondering if our number ones are the same. So I'll jump to my number one. My number one is the unique characters. That's a pro. That's funny, Steve. You weren't looking at my show notes, were you? I was not. <laughs> <laughs> so let's hear. I want to hear about your uh, number one. Like, what do you mean by that? So I love how these characters designed. So uh, all these characters have a pre-constructed deck. So there's no deck building or anything like that. You just grab the deck, lay it down, shuffle it up, and draw your cards. But they all have cards in there and items in there that are very thematic to the character you're playing. Uh, for example, you heard earlier, we just talked about a gurney, which is the uh, surgeon, for example. And the surgeon also has uh, a scalpel, which he can do some melee damage on it, which is pretty fun. He has a lot of other equipment he can lay down to boost his healing potential. So one of the characters I like a lot is the veteran and his dog. He's uh, from an, a previous war, and you can, you can tell by his character has the artwork. He looks like he's seen battle, for example. But he's walking around with his dog, and his dog can go fetch things for you. He's pretty good with with his uh, survival skills and some firearms. But in this deck, um, you're actually running two different characters at with one deck, which is really cool. That's unique. But you can totally have a John Wick moment where your dog can die in this game. But then the the veteran, he gets super like motivated to, to just mess with enemies. It's total revenge style. And I love how thematic that is and how unique it is. Yeah, it's such uh, interesting, Steve. Um, I love the veteran and the dog. There's also a scientist who has a really unique play style. Um, I won't spoil it for you, but he has a very, very different, no one else like him. And that's what actually, I'll just jump into my number one pro is the character card play. So my number one pro is that the character card play is fun and approachable. So there's basically these pre-constructed decks, right? Uh, the veteran and the dog, the scientist, the surgeon, and they all feel exactly like that. So, I mean, you have the, the fireman with the axe and, and it's so fun and it's approachable. So, I mean, you could teach this game and sit down with friends and there's no, you don't have to construct a deck. You don't have to count icons or points or, you know, with uh, other games, how many, how many cards can I take from a different faction and put them in my deck? They're ready to go out of the box. And so uh, it's kind of like, hey, I want to play the ranger. Well, he's going to be awesome at sniping. Um, you know, so it's, it's really fun. That's my number one pro is it, you get kind of giddy. Like, hey, let's play. And ooh, who do I get to be? You know, let me try this person. And you know, even though that character has the same cards in their deck that you may have seen before, they all come out at different times. And so, you know, I remember last time we were playing, Steve, we had that one card that just comes out and it's like, oh, yes, we needed this. This is so awesome. And you have other games where it's like, man, where is this card? You know, when will I draw it? And so uh, there's the mechanic. We can actually, he can fish uh, cards out of people's discard decks. So it's just really interesting that you can play these characters together in different combinations and really create a unique experience. So I'm quite surprised, Steve. I was I thought you were looking at my show notes because that actually is my number one pro as well. <laughs> yeah, it's really a highlight for this game. And it's not just that they have cool abilities. They're kind of even over the top in some cases. We're like, you know, a mechanic. You're like, oh, you know, you know, it doesn't sound too exciting to play. But he's got cards in there to do like drone strikes. 
from remote locations. I mean, that's just thematically awesome. So sentry bots and sentry welding bots. helmets and it, yeah, yeah, it's so awesome. Even the uh, the fireman, he's got like uh, he can pull everyone to him and do massive damage with his axe. Okay, so I think you guys might already know, but let's jump into our final thoughts. So, Elijah, what's your personal opinion of this game? <laughs> so, my personal opinion of this game is I love it. It's a keeper. It's going to stay on my shelf. When I first was digging through BGG, I, I, which I love to do, try to dig through the recesses of the database and find weird, obscure games and um, lists where people were mentioning them, uh, I came across this one, read up more on it, and backed it on Kickstarter. I'm okay with darker themes, and post-apocalyptic is something I really enjoy. Um, and so for me, this was uh, something that didn't sway me away from the game, obviously. Uh, I love the concept of co-op, of course. And so um, when I dug in a little bit more, I backed it and was really pumped about it. I've backed the uh, recent expansion on Kickstarter, and I'm looking forward to that. So I really enjoy the game. It's approachable. It's simple. The components are great. Yeah, sure, there's some minor things that, you know, um, again, I mentioned in my cons, but um, they're not deal breakers by any stretch of the imagination. So um, I really enjoy it. I love the characters and how they play. Um, as a family, we can sit down or friends. Um, we have meaningful decisions and, and really have a great time. So like what I said before, I'm not a huge fan of post-apocalyptic themes. Um, normally, they're just okay for me. Uh, and most of the post-apocalyptic games, I don't feel like I need to own. Just like, it's fine. This one, Maximum Apocalypse, is an exception. Like, honestly, if it wasn't for the fact that Elijah owns it and owns everything for it, I would totally go out and buy this game right now. <laughs> so I like it that much. <laughs> Which is surprising. Like I said, I don't really care for the theme, but this game's just really fun. And I'm trying to think, like, what makes it fun for me? And it just comes down to how those characters play out, how they're all unique, and they're very interesting with the characters, what they can do, and the cooperative nature, and having that those cool turns where you can do some awesome things in the game, which is just really fun. I, I mentioned there's some combos, and there's not a whole lot of combos going on, but they're still in there. And it's just really, I don't know, it's just a fun game when it comes down to it. The tilt factor on this one's huge for me. So, and the module map's great. Love, there's a lot of variety in that. I like how uh, the rules are pretty simple. It doesn't take much to explain this to someone and jump in. And one thing that does bother me in games a lot of times is when you go get talk about uh, range and line of sight. There's no line of sight in this game. And the range rules are actually really simple. On the backside, one of the reference cards tells you exactly what the range is. Like short range is in your spot. Immune range is in, is in adjacent spots, and it's very, very clear with with the reference card what that means. It's super easy to play, and it's all labeled on the cards. Very simple to play and just a lot of fun to play. So, And even the, even the setup, Steve, which we had talked about as being a con, is, is again, minor. I mean, you can have the games from literally unboxing to playing in maybe five, seven minutes. I mean, it doesn't take that long to um, – as long as you don't keep it in a, you know, jumbled mess in, your, in, in the box. But um, – I love it. This is funny, Steve, because when we were playing, you were like, hey, can we play Maximum Apocalypse again? And it's like, what is it with you, Steve? What do you like about this game? Because you, <laughs> you would just want to play it, and I, and I love it as well. So it's kind of it's kind of good to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah, and like for me, I would definitely want to sleeve them just because I like this game enough. It, it crosses over that deserves to be sleeve category. But like you said earlier, Elijah, the card quality, we've been playing your copy on sleeve for a while, and it's fine. The, the linen, I think it's a linen finish on the cards. Is good. No, no issues on that. So, so with that said, who would you recommend this game to, Elijah? So this is interesting. I would recommend this game to somebody who um, wants 
to play a modular board, have the feeling of a character, and doesn't mind post-apocalyptic. And this isn't, I mean, you know, the feel is there on the cards, you know, a little bit, um, the tiles more so, right? You're going through an open field or a hospital and it's all broken down and things like that. But, um, you know, I wouldn't label this necessarily as a very thematic post-apocalyptic game, like maybe Fallout where you're reading cards and different things like that. Um, so somebody that wants an approachable game, doesn't mind, you know, the, the theme and is looking for simple rules on range and yet feeling unique and a lot of table talk and co-op and sort of, you know, there's again, 12 scenarios in the box. Uh, there may be less in the non-Kickstarter version, but if you're looking for a lot of replayability, um, something that you can set up and tear down really easily. Um, you know, you could potentially even travel with this. It's not doesn't. It's not a big sprawling type of game. Um, it can take up some table space, but I would recommend this to um, you know somebody who would fit that category. I guess. Um, like I said, it's there's no adult theme here. I mean, so you know, it's, it's approachable to even I suppose uh, you know kids in their teens and things like that. So. Yeah, I actually agree with you on that. Who would recommend that too? I don't have a whole lot more to add to that. I mean, obviously, the post if you like post-apocalyptic, this is a good one to look into for sure. It doesn't take very long to play, generally, unless you get into those scenarios that, you know, you have to find the one card and the one tile, and you just have to, it's the last thing you look, or the last card in the deck you find. Um, but like I said, when we're playing this game, we're having fun, and I'm not really... The time flies by fast, so I'm not even watching the clock at all when I play this. So it's fun. I wouldn't recommend this to people who don't like swinging experiences between games. What I mean by that is not swinging this within the game, so there's not like a huge amount of luck in this because it's mostly card play, honestly. I mean, the only dice you roll is for spawning, and that's predictable. Uh, but once they swing in between games, it's the fact that, yeah, when I, one of my negatives talked about the scenario design was you might find that tile early on in one game and much later in another game, and that's going to affect how that game plays out where you might have a quicker game or easier game and a harder game next time you play it. And it would be the exact same setup for, for example, it's just randomness of those tiles that comes, that would have a factor that. So if you don't like that in your games, I would not recommend this. Um, I would not recommend this to young kids for sure, because while the artwork isn't, isn't it's good artwork, but the zombies, for example, aren't there's blood on them. So I would not, recommend younger kids to this for sure those are all good points steve and i would agree on all of them uh, i think the only things i'd really add is um if you're somebody that likes full control of the game um where you know you're going to want to construct your deck um from scratch i'm looking at the lord of the rings card players um this game may not fit your bill um the because the characters are already pre-constructed you know the, the fireman and the surgeon they are who they are, and, and you can't really, I mean, I suppose you could house rule and throw some cards, but it's really not for that. So if you're really looking for a strong character customization, and, and you, you won't get that here. Something else to be mindful of, and I'm not sure, you know, I'm sure there's people out there like this, but um, you, the, you only get what you get in the box. And so you have your characters and you have your scenarios, and that's really about it. So I suppose if you were to play this game daily, you know, for a long time, you're going to see same of the same cards and the same tiles and the scenarios. It could get kind of old. So um, if you're somebody that's going to plow through and play a game incessantly, you know, I might not recommend this to you. It could get a little stale. Um Luckily, we don't have that problem. I got a, we have full shelves of games that we can play, and so it's something that we kind of break out and we'll have a good time with. But um, if you're somebody that just tends to obsess about a game, 
um, you're going to enjoy it, but it could potentially get a little bit of stale. But other than that, Steve, I would agree with you on the other points, um, you know, the younger audience and um, some of the other points you made. But for Elijah and I, we both love this game. It's kind of an anomaly for me where I normally wouldn't like a game this much with that theme. But yeah, this is the exception to the rule for me. Big fan of it. Now, there is more content coming out for this game. I know there's a Kickstarter that was uh, already concluded some time ago that should be delivering soon. Uh, Elijah, what was in that Kickstarter? So the new Kickstarter that's coming out or actually shipping to backers very soon is called Gothic Horrors. It's a deluxe expansion that adds two new apocalyptic scenarios and it's adding like Cthulhu mythos and classic monsters. So vampires, ghouls, werewolves um, and things like that. So different mechanics and insanity deck, day and night, um, two new classes. We have a priest and a ronin. So we have uh, just some different more play styles that, you know, and different enemies and, and that we can uh, kind of expand the game a little bit with. So I'm really excited actually for this. I'm a Cthulhu fan myself, so, uh, or a Lovecraft fan. So kind of really uh, more ways to kind of play the game. So now with your scenarios that are in the base box, you can play the priest. Um, you know, we can play with the different uh, enemies and things. So I'm very excited to be uh, getting this soon. I'm sure we'll talk about that more in the future when that arrives. Okay, and that's going to wrap up our review of Maximum Apocalypse. So if you have any upcoming games you'd like us to discuss, let us know in by sending us an email at onestopcoopshop at gmail.com. Come join us on Slack. I'll put a link to join our Slack in the description below. We have a lot of fun there with people joining regularly, and there's a lot of discussions happening with, hey, would you play over the holiday season? What games you're looking forward to? You can get a lot of advice to what games might fit your your taste or play style. So people are really friendly on there. It's been been a lot of fun. So join us next week and we'll see you at the next stop. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Co-op Cast, your one stop for cooperative game news and reviews. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please review us on iTunes. And while you're there, check out Mindless Fate. They provide our bumper music. Also, check out Colin on his YouTube channel, One Stop Co-op Shop, and follow us on Facebook at One Stop Co-op Cast. Finally, join our Slack group by emailing us at MVP Board Games for continued discussion on these topics throughout the week. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Okay, ready to do this? I, I should take a big, big drink of whatever. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> you ready to do this? <laughs> I'm Steven. I'm Elijah. Blooper <laughs> uh, material. Okay. And so it was awesome. We finally got to met, meet Mike. Met Mike. <laughs> oh, try that again. And how about you three, Steve? Uh, how about you three, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> My secret's out. There's three of me now. <laughs>